for our Friday profile. I just want to remind you, the Palatones are playing a little bit later on. Um, so you'll be able to watch them on 702's Facebook page as we live stream that performance. But before we get there, we have columnist, presenter, former editor. She's an award-winning journalist, former radio presenter. She is a fearless investigative uh, a journalist and she has spent the past 22 years in the media and what 16 years so far with carte blanche the one <laughs> i feel like you need a drum roll <laughs> and only Devi sankari governor how are you i'm good thank you so much for this invitation you are just powerful. Like you walked in here and already I felt like, wow. Hi, Sissy. Here You're she kidding me. is. No, man. Here she is off my Sunday screens. Did you realize that was the short? No. Yeah. What is your height? 1.5 meters on a good day. <laughs> With heels on. Yeah. After a carte blanche day, I actually think I'm less than that. <laughs> no, probably taller. Probably taller because of the kinds of things you've had to confront. Oh my goodness. 30 years. Can you believe How's the it? team feeling? We were shocked, mm-hmm. shocked that it's 30 years and we we got here. I think you'll also appreciate this in the media. You go to work every day, you do what you need to do, and you don't count the numbers No, at all. Um, it, I'm, I'm actually in the media now for 25 years next month. Wow. And then you start to realize, yeah, but, but hang on, um, it's... It's getting a bit hectic now telling people that because the other way of describing 25 years is saying a quarter of a century. <laughs> if I was at another institute, I would have had a gold watch, a cruise land by now. Yes, and a, stat- <laughs> a little glass statue on your mantelpiece somewhere. <laughs> but what a run. Gosh, I mean, it's carte blanche has been a staple for South Africans mm. of different generations. You know, the stories that will take you way back, they still feel so fresh yeah. in our minds. Yeah. And then, of course, the more recent stories, I can't tell you how many times people still quote uh, your interview with Matsela Koko, you know, as ESCOM <laughs> continues to play out. Yes. Uh, and then even as far back as other stories about the Boswell Wilkie Circus, uh, uh, some of the interviews, the groundbreaking interviews that you've done around the medical sector and mm. developments there, we've been educated educated yeah. through carte blanche i've been educated mm. through carte blanche so i watched the first carte blanche when i was in standard eight what and i grew up in rural kwazulu natal yes, yes. in umzintu and mm. it was this wow the first episode and there was this natural affinity but i always say carte blanche has been the greatest privilege of my life mm. because i had access to people and situations that ordinarily i wouldn't have had access to yeah. Think about that. No, what, what's Wangari Matai? Oh, the late Wangari Matai. Yes. Who stands out? I mean, you've interviewed, what, mm. you interviewed Trevor Noah? That was hot, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Trevor was hot. So who else <laughs> is in the hot league? <laughs> um, it was, it, it, you know, it's, it's difficult because and now when you're sitting here 30 years, all the interviews you do, everyone wants to, and I hate that question. Everybody wants to know who's the best, who's but the best. But that's not how you were filing it, right? That's not how exactly. I was filing it. I also it. hate that. But Trevor stands out for me because we went to New York and mm. we were in his space. Mm. And I just sat there looking at this homeboy thinking, well, well done. Yeah. And just watching him interact with all these people and how busy his life is. So he stands out. But now I'm really giving my age away. Do you know who else stands out? Who? 
Lionel Richie. Ooh, but he's been here a couple of times. It could have been one of his more recent visits. Yeah, but you but didn't is... get to sing with him. I did. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I had him on the phone. Oh, Davey, come on. Did you have to? Yeah. Did you have to? No, I think well done. Well done, honestly. Um, and one thing that we know about you as well is some of the risks that you've had to take. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people have that kind of affinity or have that kind of affection for the carte blanche team. Yeah. Because you went where even where politicians don't dare tread or go, the mm-hmm. police don't want to go. And you go there. You confront people in a way that even the authorities are afraid to. You've got to push those barriers because a big part of transformation for me mm-hmm. is transparency. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're going to get that is if you're not afraid to ask the really tough questions. Yeah. People don't like to be put on the spot. They don't like um, being hung on the wall and having to now attest to why they did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But that for me has been part of the magic of carte blanche in all these years that they don't interfere. They let you do what you need to do. Yeah. So when you're sitting across from somebody during an interview, it's just about you and that person. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the clever, fancy questions with the big words because nothing turns me off more than that. Yeah. It's about keeping it real. Asking questions that matter, but more importantly, finding some kind of direction. Mm-hmm. So this happened. What do we do from here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you made a, I'm a sucker for I'm sorry. And very few of the people I interview actually say I'm sorry. Right. I'm a sucker for that because if you're sorry, you're sorry. Then let's see how are we going to fix this together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Because I wanted to know, so which reaction has surprised you? Which response has surprised you? Because we've also seen you make those calls on the phone. You know, there's Debbie dialing and then you pick up your phone and then you're confronted with all these questions. Like, uh. So which reaction, especially in those confrontational moments? Denial still surprises me. Really? In this day and age, uh, somebody, the automatic reaction, it's like like children. You've got kids, I've got kids. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. it is when you mm-hmm. ask them something, mm-hmm. they go into straight denial mode. And many people haven't grown up from that. Yeah. It's their default position. And it still surprises me that even when you present hardcore evidence yes. to somebody, yes. and it's like, hey, my friend, there's your signature there, or I have a recording of this. Yeah. It then takes them by surprise that you've got it. So mm-hmm. I think what also surprises me is this underestimation. I'll still walk into an interview and I will still feel underestimated because I can see the oak is underestimating me. He doesn't yes. think I actually have it. Yeah. In what way? What do they do? Are they dismissive uh, or yeah, just not giving it? Or they call you sweetie. <gasps> <laughs> but look, I use it to my advantage. You mm-hmm. want to call me sweetie? Let me be your sweetie for the next five minutes and, let's and then see let's see what happens. <laughs> Uh, Debbie, I can see you in those streets. I can see you in those streets on the south coast of KZN in Umzinto. Like the person, fine. When you're doing your thing in front of the camera, of course, it is the professional side of things. But then what I'm seeing here with you relaxed and the sweetie example, <laughs> I can just see you. What were those streets like? Growing up in Amzinto was fantastic for me because at small town mentality, we didn't even have traffic lights. There was no bicycle. There was one, but it was bombed through some kind of political violence. Yeah. Um, so it was amazing because I went to Catholic convent school, primary school. Me and too. then I went to Mzinto High School. Yeah. And we're still in touch. All my friends, we still try and get together as often as possible. It was a magic, in a way, idyllic experience. Mm. But 
it was Ruru Kwezulu Natal and that feeling of Ubuntu. Ubuntu became a thing, I think, about 10 years ago. That's what I grew up with. I don't know any different. Yeah. Any different. But then, what's your family's history? How did you end up in Umzindo? Well, my forefathers came in 1860 on the first ship, the SS Truru. Wow. Remember at the time, labor was sought after mm-hmm. for sugarcane plantations in KwaZulu-Natal. Mm-hmm. So I come from working stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no business people that I knew of on that ship. So my great-great-grandfather came to South Africa and was immediately posted to Mzintu to work on the Reynolds Brothers sugarcane plantation there. Mm-hmm. And then the deal was after five years, you either get a small piece of land or you go back to India. Right. But remember in India at the time, uh, via colonization, it meant that people lost their core skills and had no choice. I always think to myself, if somebody said to me right now, there's a ship le- leaving Durban port now, would I get on it? Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. because I own property. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm now a person of means. So my forefathers were people who had nothing, Mm -hmm. came here, and so they opted to stay. So I grew up on the same road where that same parcel of land was given. So rich in history, um, my entire family still lives on that road. And it's what, four generations? I'm fifth generation. You're the fifth generation. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. fifth generation South African. Sure, and you've been able to trace it. So Trace it. What have you had in the family, like the kind of heritage that's been passed down that tells the story? Because Mm -hmm. for so many people, you only get up to a particular level. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, there isn't much. We had the ship's number. His actual ship's number and through the documentation center in Durban, you're able to trace that back mm. now. So we were able to, to follow that particular line and still oral history. So very little was written down, but it's been passed on with such enthusiasm that yeah. even my children know the story. Yes. Yes. I want my children to know what their stock is, where we come from. We come from ordinary, hardworking people who tilled the soil. Yeah. I'm so proud of that. Yes. So, of your parents, what are the qualities that you have? Mm. What would you say you drew from your father, what you drew from your mother? Justice mm-hmm. from both my parents. That need to um, to look at what is right and what is wrong. Um, honesty, because mm-hmm. you're going to get caught in a lie. That, that's the first thing you learn w- when you're little. Um, education. Mm-hmm. Study, 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 study. Um, that is going to be your fallback. That's going. It's changed now. I mean, now a, a degree is not as important as it was when I was growing up. During our time. During mm-hmm. our time. But I mean, mm-hmm. think about our children. They they are definitely going to be doing jobs that don't even exist now. Yes. Um, so those are the qualities that I I got from my parents. Mm. So you are the mother of two. You strike me as someone who is. Um, I don't want to say strict. No, I am. You, okay. you know, no, let's be open about it. You strict? I'm strict. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like what kind of strict? The kind of strict where I do check homework. Do I you check do, phones? Oh, I'm on the phone. There's no passwords on the phone. The phone's <laughs> all the phone. Come on. No, 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 no. No, until you get a job and then you buy your own phone and run your own contract. And you're under your own roof. Under your own roof. Uh, the phones get charged in my bedroom at night. Wow. Yeah, there's no, no phones at night in your bedroom because you're not going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am I am pretty strict because I, I think we are surrounded by entitlement and I see that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I look at where I come from and where my children are growing up now, Whew. it's very easy to 
I mean, any any shop you can think of is within five kilometers of where we live. Yeah. If you need a specific pencil, your mother will get in the car and go and buy it for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very mindful of that. But I am also quite a cuddly mom. Uh-huh. I love cuddles at night. You come into bed with me and we have a chit chat. But they're teens now, at 17 and yeah, they still do 14. It. Yeah, they still do it. Lovely. Mm. Lovely. Even my son who's 14. <laughs> Still does it. Still does it. Now I've told everybody he's going to be so cross when I get home. <laughs> does he tower over you? Yeah, look, that's not an achievement. I'm only <laughs> 1.5 meters. To- yeah, they both do. They both do. Yes, gosh. So in the home, I can see you. Matriarch. Strict. Schedules. General. Yeah, yeah schedules. Schedule. Things have to be yeah, go like according to, to. Exactly. Because that's, that's the only way to get things done. Mm. And then you are at Lotus FM. Yes. Um, and I've been, I've done music radio before, and I know that it comes with a lifestyle. Yes. What was this lifestyle? Because you were doing a daily chart show. I, I started doing a music show there yes. at the beginning. So that was my big break mm-hmm. 25 years ago at Lotus FM. And mm-hmm. remember, in, in that time, if you were Indian, then you worked for the Indian television station, the Indian radio station. <laughs> if you spoke Isi Zulu, then Ukozi was your baby. That's yes. how it worked. Yes. Um, so I, I then migrated into um, talk shows and current affairs, but... I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. We used to do these bangras all across the country as part of these roadshows. It was fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. I think it's great for when you're in your 20s because mm. the radio station comes, you have to also live that lifestyle. I remember being at, at Metro FM and you'd have the Durban this and that, the Cape Town that, the Eastern Cape this, you know, Pumalanga that and this and DJing, parties at clubs and, and so on. And a safe on. space. Mm-hmm. Very safe space. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I, th- I, th- I think we were quite lucky. Yeah, because we got to do these things, but within that safe space created mm. through uh, the job, you know. Mm. But I can also see you as a teacher. You spent a year. Had TV not come knocking, do you think that you would have been happy teaching? Look, the the teaching for me came because, again, another need for safety net. So I did a higher diploma in education and thought, well, just in case this whole TV radio idea I have doesn't work out. So while I was teaching, I was still doing radio and still doing television. I was doing Eastern music. Mm-hmm. So it was a full basket always. I loved the teaching. Um, Afrikaans. I you taught Afrikaans? Yeah, in Durban. Can you savor Afrikaans? Perhaps? A biki, but the accent is a so biki. bad <laughs> that I feel so embarrassed even saying anything. Um, and then, so, so I, was, I was doing the teaching, but it, it was teaching is tough. Now, I taught in 95, 96. In high that, school. In high school. Yeah. I had 76 kids in my in my form class. I was teaching Afrikaans. Wait, to, 76? Yes. This is, was when we had that the whole change and we're moving on to a new system. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, and I was teaching English and Afrikaans. So you try and mark composition and letter, 76 kids per class. Wow. And I didn't just have the one class. Yes. It was tough. I have great respect for teachers. Mm. And I was still in a time where you could call the parents if I was having a problem and they'll do something. No, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sure. No, I mean, the picture that you've just painted, I know we deal with these questions of what's happening in our education system all the time. You're very Mm. familiar with them. Uh, So 76. And then, of course, you decided to focus on television. Yeah. So I remember chatting, catching up with um, Candice Moodley not too long ago. And we also reflected on that Eastern Mosaic time. Mm. I don't think there's a program like it at the moment. What do you think of that? Do you lament that? Because it was a great way of educating um, the broader South African society about 
uh, Indian culture. Mm. Um, and now we actually don't have a single thing like that. I don't even know. Is, is there nothing? Um, there may be something. I can't think I, of one. I, I can't either. And look, when you think about segmenting markets, everybody has um, a niche market. And, mm. and, and I think it is important mm. because especially if you're a minority grouping, after a while, you know, it, it all becomes part and parcel of the same kind of plaster. And what's beautiful about yes. South African society is the, the shades and the colors mm. and the culture of who we all are. But you see, when we don't consciously do it, yeah. then we uh, risk erasing the same the whole thing about representation mm. is so important mm. because we need to see ourselves or people that look like us on these platforms so that we can believe you in are positions so right. in platforms so when we don't consciously create those spaces then yeah. we stand the risk of erasure i'll give you an example when i watched the first carte blanche i think manu padiachi came a little later he was also another presenter on carte blanche mm-hmm. i i had there was no role modeling i could do because i couldn't i didn't see anybody like me doing what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So it it didn't feel as if it was real or possible. Mm-hmm. That's the scary part mm-hmm. when you don't think it's possible. Wow. So we are taking your calls. We're inviting you to be a part of this conversation. My guest is the fearless. I think that's one of those qualities that is just permanently a, 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 a characterization of her. Um, and that is Devi Sankari Govinda. It's 011-8830702-31702 for your SMSs. I must say last week I loved hearing uh, on the breakfast show with Bongani Bingwa, uh, different people going back to what they recalled, the stories that stood out the most memorable carte blanche stories so you can share those devi moments with us as well this afternoon on 011-883-0702-31702 for your sms's did you know that you're a meme a meme on social media i saw one <laughs> which one are you talking about there's one of you like almost going around the turn as floyd and kuna says he says <laughs> i would also run away if i saw Debbie underscore hq turning the corner like this and i'm innocent that lady is very dangerous for criminals <laughs> are you feared everywhere you go most places people do walk backwards oh really yeah they're worried yeah, why is she here? Yeah, yeah. So going yeah, to yeah. dinner or uh, walking into um, a, sh- a store, mm-hmm. people do that second look thing and then they wait for it. Mm-hmm. But I always say, if I'm by myself and there's no camera, you're okay. <laughs> I can't believe that. It must be so difficult to get through life like that. Um, so another thing that I think, I wonder if you miss it because you did creative writing. You studied, got an opportunity to mm. go and study creative writing, and then you were an editor, print yeah. editor. Do you miss it much, or do you get to use it in uh, preparing these stories for Carte Blanche? You get to use it, but remember, creative writing is a whole different genre. Yeah. I miss it. So I was features editor at the Sunday Times for a while, and that was a great opportunity to then finally understand how print works. And mm. then I wrote a column which ran for sixteen years. But let me, can I be honest? Yeah. After sixteen years of running a column, you're happy when it's over. What's going on? Is it about the the sheer demand of it on a weekly basis? uh, On a weekly basis. And even towards the end for me, it was every single month. But trying to juggle it all. Mm. So you must be careful what you wish for. Because I wanted to have my fingers in every single pie. But they also get to a point when you realize, okay, this is brain damage now. (laughs) It was great while it lasted. It was fantastic. But I was somewhat relieved. Yes. I do miss it. Mm. Would you go back? On a freelance thing, yeah, maybe. Okay, not as rigid. We've got Rehana calling from Johannesburg. Hello, Rehana. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Welcome. You can chat to Devi. 
Thank you. Devi, I just want to say I met you a couple of years ago at a Johannesburg Secretary's Conference. We met in the bathroom and we chatted for a couple of minutes. The one thing I took away from that conference compared to all the speakers mm-hmm. and what have you was, you can do this. No matter what, you can do this. Yeah. That stuck with me. And whenever I get into this weird situation and I'm like, how am I going to get, how am I going to pull myself out of this? And I'm like, you've got this, you can do this. Yeah, I'm oh. so glad. I, I, I tell my daughter, I keep telling her all the time, you can do this, you've got this. Mm. She's like, how? I'm like, you got this, we're going to do this. Yeah. And just telling her that perks her confidence. She's like, okay, mom, we can do this. Uh, Sometimes beautiful. I get mm. myself into these precarious situations and she's like, you can do this. And mm. I'm like, okay, that's me talking back to myself. So yeah. I've mm. convinced her several times, we can do this. Don't worry. Good job. Yeah, Good job. Because yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. Brianna, thank you. I think that's such a great call. Is that what you also say to yeah. yourself at yeah. those critical moments? I realized very early on in my life that I will believe the stories that I tell myself. Mm-hmm. So I need to choose which stories I'm going to tell myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I vaguely recall this meeting with Rehana, but it's also something I tell a lot of people. You, yeah. You've got it. You you've can got do this. this. Of course you can. And next, let's go to uh, Professor Tinyuko Maluleka. Good afternoon, <laughs> Prof. Hi, Prof. Go, go, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Devi. I I am so disappointed that you don't you don't count me among the best people <laughs> <you> ever existed. <laughs> I I I just wanted to talk about the time Devi interviewed me at Rhapsody's in Centurion. <laughs> We hadn't booked for a place, but as soon as they saw her, they quickly organized a place for us upstairs for yes. her to interview me. I She's remember. just a wonderful, wonderful person. <laughs> I remember. It works for you as well. I remember that. No, thank you for your call, thank Professor. You. Thank you. Wow. He's there brilliant. are perks to this. Absolutely. I follow him on, on Twitter. I love his thoughts. But there are perks, clearly. And ask nicely. Mm-hmm. There are perks, but you've got to ask nicely. Yes, you can't and just throw your carte blanche weight around. No, but I just find people are just generally so happy to help you in any way possible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Debbie, uh, let's see. There is one from Khari. Uh, and he says, um, please tell Debbie. Like the president. Fine. When you're doing your thing in front of the camera, of course it is. The professional side of things but then what i'm seeing here with you relaxed and the sweetie example <laughs> i can just see you what were those streets like growing up, up in amzinto was fantastic for me because at small town mentality we didn't even have traffic lights there was no bioscope there was one but it was bombed through some kind of political violence yeah um so it was amazing because I went to Catholic convent school, primary school, Me and too. then I went to Mzinto High School. Yeah. And we're still in touch. All my friends, we still try and get together as often as possible. It was a magic, in a way, idyllic experience. Mm. But it was rural KwaZulu Natal and that feeling of Ubuntu. Ubuntu became a thing, I think, about 10 years ago. That's what I grew up with. I don't know any different. Yeah. Any different. But then. What's your family's history? How did you end up in Umzindo? Well, my forefathers came in 1860 on the first ship, the SS Truru. Wow. Remember at the time, labor was sought after mm-hmm. for sugarcane plantations in KwaZulu-Natal. Mm-hmm. So I come from working stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no business people that I knew of on that ship. 
So my great-great-grandfather came to South Africa and was immediately posted to Mzintu to work on the Reynolds Brothers sugarcane plantation there. Mm-hmm. And then the deal was after five years, you either get a small piece of land or you go back to India. Right. But remember in India at the time, uh, via colonization, it meant that people lost their core skills and had no choice. I always think to myself, if somebody said to me right now, there's a ship leaving Durban port now, would I get on it? Yeah. yeah. No, Mm -hmm. because I own property, Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm now a person of means. So my forefathers were people who had nothing, Mm -hmm. came here, and so they opted to stay. So I grew up on the same road where that same parcel of land was given. So rich in history, um, my entire family still lives on that road. And it's what, four generations? I'm fifth you're the, generation. You're the fifth generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fifth generation South African. Sure. That, and you've been able to trace it. So the Trace it. What have you had in the family, like the kind of heritage that's been passed down that tells the story? Because mm-hmm. for so many people, you only get up to a particular level. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, you can't go further. Yeah. We had the ship's number his actual ship's number, and through the documentation center in Durban, you're able to trace that back mm. now. So we were able to to follow that particular line. And still oral history. So very little was written down. But it's been passed on with such enthusiasm that yeah. even my children know the story. Yes, yes. I want my children to know what their stock is, where we come from. We come from ordinary, hardworking people who tilled the soil. Yeah. I'm so proud of that. Yes. So of your parents, what are the qualities that you have? Mm. What would you say you drew from your father, what you drew from your mother? Justice mm-hmm. from both my parents. That need to um, to look at what is right and what is wrong. Um, honesty, because mm-hmm. you're going to get caught in a lie. That, that's the first thing you learn when you're little. Um, education. Mm-hmm. Study, 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 study. Um, that is going to be your fallback. That's going. It's changed now. I mean, now a, a degree is not as important as it was when I was growing. At our, during our time. During mm-hmm. our time. I mean, mm-hmm. think about our children. They they are definitely going to be doing jobs that don't even exist now. Yes. Um, so those are the qualities that I I got from my parents. Mm. So you are the mother of two. You strike me as someone who is. Um, I don't want to say strict. No, I am. You, okay. you know, no, let's be open about it. You're strict? I'm strict. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like what kind of strict? The kind of strict where I do check homework. Do I you check do, phones? Oh, I'm on the phone. There's no passwords on the phone. The phone's... <laughs> all the, if you phones, come on. No, 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 no. No, until you get a job and then you buy your own phone and run your own country. Under your own roof. Under your own roof. Uh, the phones get charged in my bedroom at night. Wow. Yeah, there's no, no phones at night in your bedroom because you're not going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am I am pretty strict because I I think we are surrounded by entitlement, and I see that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I look at where I come from and where my children are growing up now, Whew. it's very easy to. I mean, any any shop you can think of is within five kilometers of where we live. Yeah. If you need a specific pencil, your mother will get in the car and go and buy it for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very mindful of that. But I am also quite a cuddly mom. Uh-huh. I love cuddles at night. You climb into bed with me and we have a chit chat. But they're teens now, what? 17 and yeah, they still do 14. It. Yeah, they still do it. Lovely. Mm. Lovely. Even my son, who's 14, <laughs> still does it. Still does it. Now I've told everybody he's going to be so cross <laughs> when I get home. Does he tower over you? Yeah, look, that's not an achievement. I'm only <laughs> 1.5 meters. Tall. Yeah, they both do. They both do. Yes, gosh. 
So in the home, I can see you, matriarch, strict. Schedules. General. Yeah. Yeah, schedules. Schedule. Things have to be yeah, go according to, to. Exactly. Because that's, that's the only way to get things done. Mm. And then you are at Lotus FM. Yes. Um, and I've, been, I've done music radio before. And I know that it comes with a lifestyle. Yes. What was this lifestyle? Because you were doing a daily chart show. I, I started doing a music show there yes. at the beginning. So that was my big break mm-hmm. 25 years ago at Lotus FM. And mm-hmm. remember, in, in that time, if you were Indian, then you worked for the Indian television station, the Indian radio station. <laughs> if you spoke Isi Zulu, then Ukozi was your baby. That's yes. how it worked. Yes. Um, so I, I then migrated into um, talk shows and current affairs, but... I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. We used to do these bangras all across the country as part of these roadshows. It was fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. I think it's great for when you're in your 20s because mm. the radio station comes, you have to also live that lifestyle. I remember being at, at Metro FM and you'd have the Durban this and that, the Cape Town that, the Eastern Cape this, you know, Pumalanga that and this and DJing parties at clubs and, and so on. And a safe on. space. Mm-hmm. Very safe space. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I, th- I, th- I think we were quite lucky. Yeah, because we got to do these things, but within that safe space created mm. through uh, the job, you know. Mm. But I can also see you as a teacher. You spent a year. Had TV not come knocking, do you think that you would have been happy teaching? Look, the the teaching for me came because, again, another need for safety net. So I did a higher diploma in education and thought, well, just in case this whole TV radio idea I have doesn't work out. So while I was teaching, mm-hmm. I was still doing radio and still doing television. I was doing Eastern music. Mm-hmm. So it was a full basket always. I loved the teaching. Um, Afrikaans. I you taught, taught Afrikaans? Yeah, in Durban. Can you savor Afrikaans, perhaps? A biki, but the accent is a so biki. bad <laughs> that I feel so embarrassed even saying anything. Um, and then, so so I was, I was doing the teaching, but it, it was teaching is tough. Now, I taught in 95, 96. In high that, school. In high school. Yeah. I had 76 kids in my in my form class. I was teaching Afrikaans. Wait, to, 76? Yes. This is, was when we had that the whole change and we're moving on to a new system. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, and I was teaching English and Afrikaans. So you try and mark composition and letter 76 kids per class. Wow. And I didn't just have the one class. Yes. It was tough. I have great respect for teachers. Mm. And I was still in a time where you could call the parents if I was having a problem and they'll do something. No, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sure. No, I mean, the picture that you've just painted, I know we deal with these questions of what's happening in our education system all the time. You're very mm. familiar with them. Uh, so 76. And then, of course, you decided to focus on television. Yeah. So I remember chatting, catching up with um, Candace Moodley not too long ago. And we also reflected on that Eastern Mosaic time. Mm. I don't think there's a program like it at the moment. Think- what do you think of that? Do you lament that? Because it was a great way of educating um, the broader South African society about uh, Indian culture. Mm. Um, and now we actually don't have a single thing like that. I don't even know. Is is there nothing? Um, there may be something. I can't think I, of one. I, I can't either. And look, when you think about segmenting markets, everybody has a, a niche market. And, mm. and, and I think it is important mm. because especially if you're a minority grouping, after a while, you know, it, it all becomes part and parcel of the same kind of plaster. And that, what's beautiful about yes. South African society is the, the shades and the colors mm. and the culture of who we all are. But you see, when we don't consciously do it, yeah. then we uh, risk 
erasing the same the whole thing about representation mm. is so important mm. because we need to see ourselves or people that look like us on these platforms so that we can believe you in are positions so right. in platforms so when we don't consciously create those spaces then yeah. we stand the risk of erasure i'll give you an example when i watched the first carte blanche i think manu padiachi came a little later he was also another presenter on carte blanche mm-hmm. i i had there was no role modeling i could do because i couldn't i didn't see anybody like me doing what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So it it didn't feel as if it was real or possible. Mm-hmm. That's the scary part mm-hmm. when you don't think it's possible. Wow. So we are taking your calls. We're inviting you to be a part of this conversation. My guest is the fearless. I think that's one of those qualities that is just permanently a, 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 a characterization of her. Um, and that is Devi Sankari Govinda. It's 011-8830702-31702 for your SMSs. I must say last week I loved hearing uh, on the breakfast show with Bongani Bingwa, uh, different people going back to what they recalled, the stories that stood out the most memorable carte blanche stories. So you can share those Devi moments with us as well this afternoon on 011-883-0702-31702 for your SMSs. Did you know that you're a meme? A meme on social media. I saw one. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? There's one of you like almost going around the turn. As Floyd Nkuna says, he says, I would also run away if I saw Debbie underscore HQ turning the corner like this. And I'm innocent. That lady is very dangerous for criminals. <laughs> are you feared everywhere you go? Most places. People do walk backwards. Oh, really? Yeah. They're worried. Yeah, why is she here? Yeah, yeah. So going yes, to yes. dinner or uh, walking into um, a, sh- a store, mm-hmm. people do that second look thing and then they wait for it. Mm-hmm. But I always say, if I'm by myself and there's no camera, you're okay. <laughs> I can't believe that. It must be so difficult to get through life like that. Um, so another thing that I think, I wonder if you miss it because you did creative writing. You studied, got an opportunity to mm. go and study creative writing. And then you were an editor, print yeah. editor. Do you miss it much? Or do you get to use it in uh, preparing these stories for carte blanche? You get to use it. But remember, creative writing is a whole different genre. Yeah. I miss it. So I was features editor at the Sunday Times for a while. And that was a great opportunity to then finally understand how print works. And mm. then I wrote a column which ran for 16 years. But let me, can I be honest? Yeah. After 16 years of running a column, you're happy when it's over. What's going on? Is it about the the sheer demand of it on a weekly basis? uh, On a weekly basis. And even towards the end for me, it was every single month. But trying to juggle it all. Mm. So you must be careful what you wish for. Because I wanted to have my fingers in every single pie. But they also get to a point when you realize, okay, this is brain damage now. (laughs) It was great while it lasted. It was fantastic. But I was somewhat relieved. Yes. I do miss it. Mm. Would you go back? On a freelance thing, yeah, maybe. Okay. Not as rigid. We've got Rehana calling from Johannesburg. Hello, Rehana. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Welcome. You can chat to Devi. Thank you. Devi, I just want to say I met you a couple of years ago at a Johannesburg Secretary's Conference. We met in the bathroom and we chatted for a couple of minutes. The one thing I took away from that conference compared to all the speakers mm-hmm. and what have you was, you can do this. No matter what, you can do this. Yeah. That stuck with me. And whenever I get into this weird situation and I'm like, how am I going to get, how am I going to pull myself out of this? And I'm like, you've got this, you can do this. Yeah, I'm oh. so glad. I, I, I tell my daughter, I keep telling her all the time, you can do this, you've got this. 
Mm. She's like, how? I'm like, you got this. We're going to do this. And just telling her that perks her confidence. She's like, okay, mom, we can do this. Sometimes I get Mm. myself into these precarious situations and she's like, you can do this. And Mm. I'm like, okay, that's me talking back to myself. So I've convinced her several times. We can do this. Don't worry. Good job. Good job because we're going to do this. Thank you. I think that's such a great call. Is that what you also say to yourself at those critical moments? I realized very early on in my life that I will believe the stories that I tell myself. Mm-hmm. So I need to choose which stories I'm going to tell myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I vaguely recall this meeting with Rehana, but it's also something I tell a lot of people. You, yeah. You've got it. You you've can got do it. this. Of course you can. And next, let's go to uh, Professor Tinyuko Maluleka. Good afternoon, <laughs> Prof. Hi, Prof. Go, go, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Devi. I, I am so disappointed you don't, you don't count me among the best people <laughs> ever <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just wanted to talk about the time Debbie interviewed me at Rhapsody's in Centurion. <laughs> we hadn't booked for a place, but as soon as they saw her, they quickly organized a place for us upstairs for yes. her to interview me. I She's remember. just a wonderful, wonderful person. <laughs> I remember. It works for you as well. I remember, I remember that. <laughs> no, thank you for your call, thank Professor. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. There are perks to this. Absolutely. I follow him on on Twitter. I love his thoughts. But there are perks, clearly. And ask nicely. Mm -hmm. There are perks, but you've got to ask nicely. Yes, you can't just throw your carte blanche weight around. No, but I just find people are just generally so happy to help you in any way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Debbie, uh, let's see. There is one from Khari. uh, And he says, um, please tell Debbie that the first... Um, Matzilla Coco expose, whereby Matzilla claimed not to have signed off some documents. Now it's skipped. Now it's skipped. Signed off some documents mm. to release funds, helping Gupta's uh, coal contract. So mm. that's the that's the one that he recalls. Yeah. It still stands out. Yep. Um, so that's how you've touched people's lives. As sometimes, yes, when that song starts on a Sunday, you know Monday is here. But wait, can I can before, I say something right? about that? Before. Can I say something? Mm. When you guys got up on Sunday morning, did you not know it was going to be Monday? <laughs> Why are you blaming us? Why are you blaming us for that? <laughs> so you've heard that. It's like, oh, <laughs> when Cut Blanche comes on and that music is on and you know, time to get serious about this life. <laughs> time to adult again. Time to do the homework. Exactly. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Please continue being a champion, the champion that you are for ordinary voiceless South Africans even the campaign that you have right now at Cut Blanche I think it is it articulates it expresses exactly what you do truth brings change exactly and you do that every day with your program Thank you very much. I've had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, Devi Sankari Governor. Ah award winning. She is award winning. As an investigative journalist, there's an art to this and that's why she's been doing it as long as she has and as successfully as she has.